0: GDPR hits home for British Airways and Marriott. Privacy regulation in the US. And deception technology, where's it going? These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland prognostications around GDPR enforcement actions have been fairly accurately predicted. When enforcement went into effect in May 2018, the gestation period for fines being enforced was estimated to be around a year. And, as of this week, which is a year and a bit on, we saw not one but two significant enforcement events showing that punitive fines were no empty threat. His ISMG's executive editor, Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz, with the story.
1: Act now to avoid disappointment. That's the message from privacy regulators to businesses that store Europeans' personal data. In case anyone has failed to get the message, Britain's privacy watchdog this week launched not one, but two regulatory broadsides, proposing fines totaling nearly £300 million for violations of the EU's General Data Protection Regulation. On Monday, Britain's Information Commissioner's Office announced a proposed fine of $230 million against British Airways after breaches last September and October enabled attackers to route customers to a fraudulent site, exposing 500,000 customers' personal details. That was followed on Tuesday by the ICO confirming a proposed fine of $125 million against hotel giant Marriott International, for its failure to stop a four-year breach that globally exposed about 339 million customer records. The fine was revealed when Marriott warned investors that it was facing sanctions from the European regulator. Now, both fines are the first major proposed sanctions stemming from data breaches that have occurred since GDPR enforcement began on May 25th, 2018. The law empowers EU regulators to levy fines of up to 4% of an organization's global annual revenue, or $22.5 million, whichever is greater, if they violate Europeans' privacy rights. Neither fine is final. Other European data protection authorities with residents impacted by either breach can comment on the proposed sanctions. In addition, BA and Marriott each have 28 days to appeal the suggested fine with the ICO. The ICO has 16 weeks after proposing a fine to deliver its final verdict. Both BA and Marriott have said they plan to vigorously contest the fines. Already, the chief executives at both businesses have attempted to spin the proposed sanctions using the same playbook. Alex Cruz, chairman and chief executive of BA, said, We're surprised and disappointed in this initial finding from the ICO. Meanwhile, Arne Sorensen, president and CEO of Marriott, said, We are disappointed with this notice of intent from the ICO. Using emotive language, of course, is a red flag, oftentimes connoting an attempt to obscure inconvenient facts. For example, the ICO says its investigation into the BA breach found that a variety of information was compromised by poor security arrangements at the company, including login, payment card, and travel booking details as well as name and address information. In the case of Marriott, the ICO suggested that the hotel chain had failed to carry out proper due diligence before it acquired rival Starwood in 2014, or to put in place proper accountability measures to assess not only what personal data it had acquired, but also how it was to be protected. Now, that finding is no great surprise, given that the breach of Starwood's guest database began in 2014 and persisted until November 2018, or two years after Marriott had bought Starwood. So if anyone has earned the right to be disappointed, it should be customers whose personal details were exposed after both businesses failed to implement robust enough security processes. Investors should also be disappointed. Security expert John Pescatori, for example, has calculated that the $230 million fine proposed against BA works out to about $40 per record exposed in the breach. Add to that the average cost of data breach cleanup and response, including prepaid credit check services for breach victims, and that costs about $50 to $75 per record, adding another $250 million to the breach costs. With those numbers, BA's breach could easily end up costing the company about $500 million, or 10% of its 2018 profit. Compare that figure to the cost of properly securing the affected web application, which Pescatori estimates would have cost far less than even 1% of the half billion dollars for which BA will likely be on the hook. So the proposed fines against BA and Marriott represent a clear message to any organization that stores and thus must protect Europeans' personal data. That message is, act now to avoid disappointment. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz.
0: You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Continuing on the subject of privacy regulation, at the recent ISMG Security Summit in Seattle, one of the highlights was a discussion that we had with Ginger Armbruster, Chief Privacy Officer of the City of Seattle. GDPR hasn't come to the U.S. yet, but there are state-specific pockets of privacy regulation cropping up, such as the California Consumer Privacy Act or CCPA. We asked Ginger, first of all, what is the CCPA, who does it cover, and what do folks need to know?
2: So this is one of the first pieces of legislation we're seeing here uh, that covers consumer data, not in a sector-based way, like just financial information or medical information, but consumer data generally, um, giving people privacy uh, and control over their own data. And this is the first uh, we're seeing. I think there will be more of these, either across the state or at the federal level, that uh, start to look a lot like GDPR, like the European protections that we uh, have seen and have been rolling out over the last couple of years. Uh, I think what it means is that security professionals, privacy professionals need to pay attention because of potential liability and attention now paid to protecting and giving people control over their own data.
0: So if you're GDPR compliant, are you CCPA compliant?
2: It's not exactly true. I think there, there are uh, definitely, I think the CCPA was aligned toward GDPR in terms of some data protection rights, giving people the right uh, of access control and uh, determination about their own data. But the particular issues around exactly how those protections will lay out and who the accountability falls to are different. So if folks are compliant with GDPR, they've probably gone a long way towards some of the security practices that will be required but that doesn't necessarily mean they've covered all the points. So I think there is definitely a need to do a crosswalk between the two and see where you are compliant and where that you may need to do different an additional reporting, breach notification, those kinds of things.
0: And what should security practitioners know about the privacy laws that are coming their way? Here's Ginger again.
2: Uh, I think what they need to know is what were best practices or considered best practices and kind of uh, something that people had uh, their own uh, ability to make decisions about, I think are being legislated. So I think privacy folks need to get with their security buddies. I always talk about buddy systems, sort of like diving, right? Don't go without your security buddy. Uh, so that you can look at the requirements and practices to make sure the compliance is just not a question. And so I think uh, what's interesting to me is the financial burden, especially of GDPR. That's 4% of annual tur- annual turnover is the, is the largest uh, of the penalties, which got everybody's attention in the boardroom. Suddenly everybody's listening. And I think similar penalties uh, in the California Law are built in. There's also seems to be some indication of a private right of action or some other action that folks can take if they've been harmed. So a lot of these laws, I think, are looking at trying to quantify and qualify what these privacy harms mean. And that means at the bottom line. And so I think the entire boardroom needs to pay attention.
0: Finally, this week, I got to the chance to catch up with Alyssa Knight, senior analyst at IDA Group's cybersecurity practice. I wanted to discuss deception technology and where it's heading. Here's Alyssa's take.
3: I'm. I am definitely seeing some of the the industry players adopting things like orchestration, playbook playbooks for orchestration, so taking automated action. You know, we we're we're dealing with the systemic problem in the cybersecurity industry globally, where where you have a a talent shortage, and so I think you know this is this is the logical direction of a lot of the security controls on the conference floor, if you will, where they're trying to Sort of use technology and automation to try and remove human from that loop. Now, I don't think we're going to be able to completely remove humans from it. So, trolls, put down your guns. I don't think that, that that's the case. I think we're going. You're going to see vendors trying to remove the human as much as possible from that loop by you know, the things like uh, autonomous response, you know, or or the, the deception technology communicating with an EDR tool saying, hey, I've got someone trapped in this decoy machine. You need to take action on the EDR to look for these IOCs, take this sort of action. You know, so I think that more of autonomous response is a lot of the direction. The other direction I see this going is, you know, trying to create decoys around not just a server, but IoT devices, things that are that were previously not connected to the Internet now becoming connected. You have monolithic applications moving into the ways of you know, microservices and APIs. So being able to create a decoy, a decoy of an API server, especially with PSD2 and open banking, those banks being able to deploy a decoy that, that looks like they're their API servers to attract adversaries to that decoy. I just see decoys being used in sort of creative, novel ways that that is outside the lines of a, of a traditional server.
0: That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Collins.